Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Talksport Daily. Hello, happy Wednesday. Welcome to yet another Andy Goldstein's Talksport Daily podcast with me, your host Andy Goldstein. Also in the room is one more Billy. Billy, shout hello. Hello. There you go, that's him. I mean, I could have faked that and gone, hello. But that was actually, we're doing them together. Ready? One, two, three. Hello. Two, two voices. Anyway, I don't know why I'm doing that because I should be starting with the podcast. So I'll do that now. And we begin with Laurel Woods, the wonderful Woodsy, who's alongside Jamie O'Hara and Tony Cascarino on the TalkSport Breakfast Show yesterday morning. This is Jamie O'Hara having a verbal joust with the Suns' Neil Custis about Manchester United's Anthony Martial. Do you think they need to sign a number nine? Or do you think that they're happy with what Martial gives to the team? Because for me, I just think they need someone like a... I hate saying it, but like a Harry Kane. How many Harry Kanes are out there? You know, it's like, well, they had Lukaku and they got rid of him. Well, yeah, I know because but because in his second season he wasn't very good, and also he wasn't he wasn't he slowed the team down when they wanted to play in a in a style where they broke very quickly. So um, you know, if you're basing if you're basing that decision just on last night against Shakhtar Donetsk, then I think that's unfair on Solskjaer. Well, not the fact the right that he scored thirty three goals in fifty games for for Inter Milan for this Inter. season, yeah. Yeah, I just yeah, think if you're looking at Manchester United, what do they, they need? What do they really need right now? I'd look at it and think they need a number nine. Martial for me well, isn't going to take them back to the top. I like him. I think he's brilliant, but I just don't think he's going to be that world-class striker that they've had in the past. So he's brilliant, but he's not good enough. He's not good enough to take them back to the top. Well, I think that front three is excellent, and I think that if you look at this, they won't win the Premier League goes. with that front three. Well, all right then. Well, okay. So, well, if you can see into the future, that's fine. I mean, I don't know why you're asking me. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, that front three is excellent. And Greenwood's going to be one of the best players we've seen in the Premier League. Martial, he's turned into a fantastic number nine. Mm. Rashford hasn't been as good recently. but And that front three with Fernandes behind is excellent. You can't, We can't just make snap judgments based on one game. They've lost a game to Sevilla. Before that, They've lost three we semi-finals. Yeah, and they've got to three semi-finals. But they've, they've lost them. Three semi-finals. So that, that's the difference between them being the top or being a semi-final team. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying they're not a good team. I'm not saying they're right, not okay. really good players. I'm just saying they're a semi-final team. It's everyone's opinion, is it? I just don't think that they'll win the Premier League. with. If they add Sancho and they add another number nine, a proper number nine, then I think, yeah, and I agree, they no, need they need a centre-half. 
But you say in a proper number nine, you know, it's, it's like you can just snap your fingers and, and get one. Oh, I'm not yeah, saying it's going to be easy to get one. That's why I just don't see that. I just can't see him win the league. That's why I'm saying I just don't think Martial is that. So name me the number nine that they could realistically get. Jimenez, Harry Kane, Cavani, Danny Ings. Well, how, how could they realistically get Harry Kane? What do you mean? Well, you, think, you think Tottenham are just going to sell Harry Kane to Man United? Well, there will, there will come a time when they're going to have to. They're going to have to if they don't win a trophy because it's Manchester United. They're the biggest club in the world. And staying with the breakfast show, this is big. Tony Cascarino and guest Dwight York, the former United striker, also talking Tony M. that he's now looking to establish himself as a number nine. The key thing is here, he's going to get better in that position. I think Rashford is similar. I think Rashford could play that position. So if I was Oli, I would kind of mix and match sometimes in some games and when it's not working for Marshall, you put Rashford up there because mm. he's excellent in the middle. But you only learn that position, guys, because it is the most difficult position on the football pitch, playing with your back to go, learning how to run, how to come off players, how to shield the ball, to hold it up, you know, get back in play and on top of that score goals. They've got a, a Liverpool type of front three where there's a lot of pace and it's coming from different areas. So it's a different dynamic. It's very complex. Obviously, Lukaku and doing what he's doing, but he didn't win the league with Inter this year. Juve won it. So there isn't one way of actually winning on a regular basis. It's all change. Mm. Could they do with another one? Absolutely. Could you sometimes play... I don't know, Rashford down the middle or, or Greenwood or or if they got Sancho, use use him and Martial can play that role. I think they want a very versatile forward line that they can change around. The numbers tell you that they can challenge for a winning, a winning league in the forward areas. It's not complete. Now, following Jason Cundy's comments on Jurgen Klopp now being a better manager than Pep Guardiola, which Tom will play for you here... If you gave me a season ticket to either City or Liverpool, who I'd prefer to watch, I wouldn't go to City. I'd go to Liverpool. Are we looking at Pep now and actually the game has passed him by a little bit? Klopp's overtaken him. Pep is second by some distance. Mm. This led to Adrian Durham and Darren Goff having a heated exchange on drive on the same subject. Basically, lazy production values just stealing our show. Jurgen Klopp's had a great season this season. The Premier League was won by Miles. He's clearly the manager of the year, no doubt about that. But all of a sudden, that gives people like Jason Cundy and you the right to completely forget that Man City were utterly amazing getting 100 points two years ago. Brilliant. And then incredible holding off Liverpool last season. I mean, those back-to-back titles are suddenly forgotten. Okay, so so me having a preference and preferring Klopp over Guardiola is wrong, but you preferring Pep over Klopp's right. Is that what you're trying to say? I'm talking realistically. Well, here. I'm talking realistically. No, you're not. And I'm, and I'm giving you a good. Doing... No, hang on a minute. I'm giving you a good reason, and I've explained to you why I prefer Klopp, and I think he deserves more credit for the clubs he's been at. He hasn't been to Barcelona. He hasn't been to Bayern Munich. He hasn't been to Manchester City, who win title after title after title. Bayern Munich won the treble the year before Pep went there. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, but Klopp, what he has done is he's done it again at Liverpool. They were eighth the first right. season. Listen now to... they've won the title oh, the first yeah. time in Hang 30 on. years. Hold on, just die. just take a break, have a lie down. Just for a second, think about this, right? It's a different kind of pressure. If you go back to when Pep Guardiola was asked to take over Barcelona, they haven't won anything for three years. Three years! And you talk about the pressure of winning stuff at Barcelona, where they get rid of managers like that. 
And he goes in and he wins, what, six titles in his first season? He was brilliant. Right. So why is why are you valuing Jurgen Klopp's Dortmund experience over Pep Guardiola's Barcelona experience? Why doesn't the Barcelona experience come up now? Why is that forgotten? Oh, look at the history of Barcelona dominating. What have uh, I just said? The, the pressure to win stuff and they haven't won anything for three years. And he's <laughs> got to take that on. And he did it. And he did it in style as well. Now, of course, we check in with my shiny Goldstein Sports Bar with reaction to that Champions League semi, a massive semi, where PSG beat RB Leipzig. The show, of course, was me, Andy Goldstein, and old thingamajiggy. The game was live on TalkSport with Jim Proudfoot and the former Leeds defender, Daniel Mills. Playing out from the back, it could be very costly. It's Di Maria, it's 2-0. And Leipzig have shot themselves in the foot, not for the first time tonight. You had to get to half-time, don't concede another. And then the goalkeeper trying to play out from the back. It's, a, it's an over-hit pass. PSG punishing the most emphatic way. And going in at 2-0 at half-time was a, was a mountain at that stage mm. because they went, they changed it. Um, Leipzig but I think their first 45 minutes was, was and they just got outclassed pretty much all over the pitch they never really there was a couple of chances they had but never really caused PSG a great deal of of, of threat at all PSG were in the comfort zone most of the game um, Di Maria's delivery I mean he, he had an exceptional game but when you got the pace and the trickery you're in their front three you're in how much the, I mean they should be 419 million they should be beaten Leipzig mm. shouldn't they? They, they you know on paper they should be the other semi between Leon and Bayern Munich is live on TalkSport tonight from 7pm. Now, on white without Sawyer, the manager of Brockenhurst Football Club. Who? Brockenhurst Football Club. Can you just check that for me? Yep. Yeah, it says Brockenhurst Football Club. Just check it again. Yeah, it's definitely Brockenhurst. One more time, ask Billy to check it. Billy, can you just check? Does that say Brockenhurst? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does say it. No, still, no, nor have I. Anyway, the manager, Pat McManus came up with a unique way of getting fans into stadiums in non-league football when the new season gets underway in England. I suggested that if something doesn't happen soon, I would just register our supporters as players. It would rule out anyone under 16. It would rule out our female supporters, unfortunately. But I'd register them as players and the squad would turn up on a match day and whoever wasn't in the team would then socially distance and end up watching the game. And then obviously... Any money which they chose to spend at the ground on the day after the game obviously would be um, beneficial to the football club. Dutch football correspondent Marcel van der Kran told the TalkSport 2 transfer centre. What's a transfer centre? It doesn't mean anything. It's just he told someone on TalkSport 2. Oh, right. I see. Okay. Anyway, he told them yesterday afternoon that Ronald Koeman will be unveiled as the Barcelona manager imminently. Marcel spoke to Ben Fletcher. Fletch just after returning from the airport where we saw Koeman meet Barca officials. Not Fletch, he's not allowed out of the building. And he also had news on Arsene Wenger being linked with the soon-to-be-vacant Netherlands job. Oh, well done, TalkSport 2. I've just seen him take off in the absolute magic of a jet with Barcelona had laid on. Embra Legacy 650. Well, I tell you, 10 big leather seats, uh, a big sofa on board, champagne, everything was there. And um, 
Ronald Koeman, and only they were on it. Uh, any idea on time scale? I mean, we're talking days then as opposed to weeks. I think we're talking uh, hours. Uh, um, I think we will see, uh, maybe this, uh, this news, that he will be presented in just a couple of hours. Uh, as soon as he lands, he will uh, go to the Now Camp Stadium and the uh, president of Barcelona will, uh, I think, reveal him to, to media and uh, his own players, staff, everybody. Arsene Wenger is not putting himself forward at all for the job. I spoke to him uh, and he said, I encourage you to put this right because he is not speaking to anybody, he's not pushing him, he's not offering his services to anyone and uh, no way be uh, interested in anything like this by pu- pushing himself forward. Back now to White Without Sawyer and guest Simon Jordan, Katie Price's ex-husband, was moaning about David Silver getting a statue outside the Etihad and why he's not happy with the erection. Hmm. Oh, there's more on the other side. Of the Man City legend just for doing his job. I mean, legend is, is an expression that's much overused in football and it's given out so easily. And I look at David Silver, of course, he's been an instrumental player in the ascension of Manchester City to being, whilst I consider them to be a manufactured club by other people's money, they have still achieved significant things and he will have been pivotal to that. Now, does that entitle him to a statue? Well, it's probably better than the statue I had put outside Fulham. But I, I think this idea of putting statues outside football stadiums for players that have done their jobs, that have performed at a level and have done what they're paid to do, well paid to do and remunerated, remunerated based upon their talents, is going a little bit far. Now, Top Sports' Ian Abrahams has been speaking to the new Bolton Wanderers manager, Ian Everett, after the Carabao Cup draw, which will see them face Bradford. Everett told Moosey he cannot wait to get started at Bolton. It's a wonderful opportunity for me, a fantastic football club um, with massive amounts of history. Unfortunately, the club finds itself in League Two at the moment. It isn't a League Two club, but we are where we are at the moment and it's my job to turn this place around and get it back where it deserves to be. We'll touch on that in a second. First of all, the cup draw. Uh, it's, quite, it's a big draw as well. I mean, you talk about Bolton being a big club, so too are Bradford in, in League Two. Real heavyweight tie in the first round. Yeah, good game. Good game for both teams, obviously in... It's unprecedented circumstances at the moment. So in terms of background information and, and watching the opposition, it's going to be difficult with the COVID protocols. So we're not going to really know what to expect from each other. However, we'll make sure we prepare as best we can. We've been going well in pre-season so far, so hopefully we can take that some form into that first game. Back now to the breakfast show and Jamie Haro again recalling a training ground bust-up. Not with Neil Custis this time, but with your former Spurs teammate, Stefan Dalmat. I wouldn't say it was a fight. I had a row with Stefan Dalmat, who was at Spurs once. And I was only a kid. I think I was 17. I was in the reserve team changing room. Um, and I was obviously really hungry and to, to do well and desire to, to do well. Yeah. And um, he was obviously playing in the reserves and didn't really give a monkeys that he was there. And I think I dug him out because he was just walking around being lazy. And I, I come in after the game, I think, and I just said, you know, Stefan, like, if you don't want a beer, then just don't be here. And he, he just got up, walked over to me, and I was thinking, oh, we're going to have a I have a barn he's going to say something he just slapped me in the face just a slap not a punch just a just across the grid and I was like wow like just out of nowhere so I was like so then obviously I've gone to steam into him everyone's jumped in um, and that was kind of it but yeah. the cheek of it I just thought he just slapped me in the face palm or backhand it, it was a full on like palm, palm. just a 
Did it yeah. make an excellent noise? Yeah, it was connection. Like a proper like. That wasn't good. See, that, that, that's one of the most common themes is the training ground, reserve team gets the first 11 and it kicks off because yeah. the first 11 might think, oh, playing against the reserves mm. and, yeah, yeah. you know, taking a bit for granted and then suddenly something... I've said, it's happened to every club. I've not been involved, but every club I've been at, the training ground, practice match, the yeah, team, yeah. first team's lost a match and everyone's mm. getting a bit... Um, Jamie might have sniffed an opportunity. I might get in the team here if I do well. Yeah. You know, and then suddenly he's taking it far more serious and it kicks off. Who was the boss at the time? Who was your boss at the time? Um, I think... I can't remember who it was. Clive Allen might have been the reserve team manager. Harry Redknapp. <laughs> I think Harry Redknapp was around... I, I'm not sure 100%. Mm. It was a funny one with Harry Redknapp as well because I remember playing in a reserve team game and Harry took the game and um, I played really well. I was obviously really trying to get in his side and you had all the first team boys like Woody, yeah. Woodgate, uh, Robbie Keane, they was all there crouchy and I remember <laughs> like they were all terrible like they had a re- but like just didn't really care about the game mm. and I remember coming in Harry you know as he does he walked in his lads, lads just, just <laughs> not good enough, not good enough and I'm sitting there and he's look at Jamie, look at him, he's on five grand a week. <laughs> and, he, and he's the best player and then all the lads have just all looked at me and I'm thinking oh no he's just when, told your wages when Harry walked out the lads went you told us you was on 15 grand a week <laughs> <laughs> I was like cheers gaffer <laughs> time to check in with Paul Hawksby and Andy Jacobs they do a show from 1pm to 4pm weekday on Talk Sport I'm talking quietly because as I'm doing the link they're both over there in the corner, just resting for today's show. Anyway, they were talking pandas and Sunday roast, as you do. Sunday, I went for a pub lunch and uh, just sitting in this pub garden and suddenly my wife gets out her mobile phone and she starts calling, video calling her friend. It was like Dom Jolly. Oh, was it? It started shouting, <laughs> was it? Hello! Oh, no. So I was looking around the... the uh, the sort of garden. Were people giving you a dirty look? Well, I was looking around to see who was there. Who was she annoying? I stopped doing And it was there who was Hal Robson Carnu. Oh, what about that? Of and West Bromwich Albion. Of West Bromwich Albion. And uh, and the turmeric drink that we interviewed him about. Oh, yeah. A little Lovely fellow. I went and had a chat with him and mm. uh, talked about that. I think they went back to pre-season yesterday. We remembered the interview, so it was nice. Good so, afternoon, Hal. Good, good man. Sorry about Sue shouting into her mobile phone. <laughs> exactly. Did you have a word with her? Of course, I had a word with her. <laughs> How did that go down? Well, she thinks was there I, silence over she, the Sunday roast? Was no, it? Or? She just doesn't understand that it, that I get embarrassed about stuff like that, which is sort of natural, isn't it? Yeah. Jingjing, the world's oldest giant panda in wow. captivity, tucks into a cake of bamboo shoots, carrots, and watermelons to celebrate her 38th birthday wow. in Chongqing Zoo, southwest China. Yeah. Now, you may not know this, but 38 is the equivalent of more than 110. In human years. Okay. So she is the Colonel Sir Tom Panda of the panda world. Okay. I don't know if she walks around her enclosure for charity. But I'd, like, who I'd knows? like to think so, yeah. Well, apparently in the wild, the, yeah. the giant panda, 20 years, they reckon. I mean, I know there's yeah. a lot of people in their old mate Mike you know Power. That? He just looked I've, it up. Well, you? looked it up. <laughs> How <laughs> do you know what that? What extensive panda knowledge you have. <laughs> 14 to 20 years yes. uh, in the in the wild. Yeah. 30 years in captivity. And so you have to ask the fundamental question, would the wild panda uh, be happier 
uh, in its natural habitat, living just the 14 to 20 years, or getting an extra 10 years being made oh, yeah. cakes of bamboo. I'd say happier in captivity, which Would is you? unusual, really. I mean, I'm not sure that... 08717, <laughs> double term. I mean, if we... I mean, look at I you, Andy. In the wild, you've lasted Lord knows how many years. <laughs> had you been in captivity, had you been caged... I have been in captivity. <laughs> That's, That's about true. 46 years worth of it, if you were anyone that Always doing the wife material. Thank you very man. much. I've been in captivity. <laughs> for 45 years. Yeah, he's doing, he's doing the wife material. Well, that's nearly it. Before I go, let me tell you not to forget to... Do, do not forget it. Tonight from 7pm on TalkSport, you can hear live commentary of Bayern against Leon. It's the Champions League semi-final. Or as Jason would say, Whew, a massive semi it's presented by Mark. I've interviewed the Prime Minister, you know, and I was there when Tyson came out of prison. Saggers. And commentaries from Jim Proudfoot and David Connolly. There'll be another one of these Andy Goldstein Talks Football Daily podcasts first thing in the morning. Remember to press subscribe so you don't have to worry about it dropping into your inbox, as the kids say. I'm back tonight for another Andy Goldstein Sports Bar from 10pm. Until then, be safe, everyone. Be safe. That was a podcast from Talk Sport. 